Om Namo Narayanaya. Good morning from Portland, Maine. I'm about to go out for an eight mile run, but before I did that, I thought we'd have some fun with the Srimad Bhagavatam. Sorry, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for joining me. And we are reading chapter 11 today, Calculation of Time from the Atom. I'm actually a little worried that this is gonna be a tongue twister, but we're gonna see if I can get through it. So here we go. The material manifestation's ultimate particle, which is indivisible and not formed into a body, is called the atom. It exists always as an invisible identity, even after the dissolution of all forms. The material body is but a combination of such atoms, but it is misunderstood by the common man. Atoms are the ultimate state of the manifest universe. When they stay in their own forms without forming different bodies, they call themselves the unlimited oneness. When they, there are certainly different bodies in physical forms, but the atoms themselves form the complete manifestation. One can estimate time by measuring the movement of the atomic combination of bodies. Time is the potency of the almighty personality of Godhead, Hari, who controls all physical movement, although he is not visible in the physical world. Atomic time is measured according to its covering a particular atomic space. That time, which covers the unmanifest aggregate of atoms, is called the Great Time. The division of gross time is calculated as follows. <clears throat> Two atoms make one double atom, and three double atoms make one hexaatom. The hexaatom is visible in the sunshine, which enters through the holes of a window screen. One can clearly see that the hexaatom goes up towards the sky. The time narration needed for the integration of three trasarenas Trasarenas is called a truti, and 100 trutis make one veda. Three vedas make one lava. The duration of time of three lavas is equal to one nimesha. The combination of three nimeshas makes one kashana, and five kashanas combined together make one kashta, and between 15 kashtas make one lagu. Fifteen lagus make one narika, which is also called a danda. Two dandas make one mahota, and six or seven dandas make one-fourth of a day or night, according to human calculation. The measuring pot for one nadika or danda can be prepared with a six-pala weight, being fourteen ounces, pot of copper in which a hole is bored with a gold probe weighing four masa and measuring four fingers long. When the pot is placed on water, the time before the water overflows in the pot is called one danda. It is calculated that there are four praharas, which are also called yamas, in the day and four in the night of the human being. Similarly, fifteen days and nights are a fortnight, and there are two fortnights, white and black, in a month. The aggregate of two fortnights is one month, and that period is one complete day and night for the Pita planets. Two of such months comprise one season, and six months comprise one complete movement of the sun from south to north. Two solar movements make one day and night on the demi of the demigods, and that combination of day and night is one complete calendar year for the human being. The human being has a duration of life of 100 years.
Influential stars, planets, luminaries, and atoms all over the universe are rotating in their respective orbits under the direction of the Supreme, represented by the Eternal Kala. There are five different names for the orbits of the sun, moon, stars, and luminaries in the firmament, and they each have their own Samvatsara. Oh, Vidura. The sun enlivens all living entities with the unlimited heat and light. He diminishes the duration of life of all living entities in order to release them from their illusion of material attachment, and he enlarges the path of elevation to the heavenly kingdom. He thus moves in the firmament with great velocity, and therefore everyone should offer him respects once every five years with all ingredients of worship. Yeah, I'm going to pause here. I'm sorry, I have this thought that's just running through my head, and I kind of have to speak it because it's kind of dragging my reading down. So I love the science of Hinduism. I've mentioned this in other videos. I think Hinduism is the most scientific religion out there. It's dating of different things, and it's look at the body, and it's healing of diseases is unlike other religions. It's not always scientific. There are things which are a little off. Um, I read an Upanishad that is trying to get rid of snake bites by touching grass. Well, that's not how we get rid of snake bites in the modern world. So it's, it's a come and go. But compared to other religions, I think Hinduism is the most scientific. Many people say that the Srimad Bhagavatam is a scientific text. It is the word of God. Well, this is a chapter which I'm guaranteeing those people are holding up and going, say, hey, it's science. Look, here is science. Clearly, that's what this, this chapter is. But others, and myself included, are looking at this going, this contradicts with science. Now, when that contradiction has been pointed out, the response has been from some gurus, actually at one that I took in a class, so that's why I'm not naming. The response has been, without even hesitating, science is wrong and lying to you. End of story. Remember the question actually was, is the earth closer than, sorry, is the sun closer than the moon? And the person said, yes, it is. And, and the questioner said, but science is differently. And the person said, yeah, they're lying to you to just, you know, to ruin your world and manipulate you because the sun is obviously closer. Shumad Bhagavatam is the word of God. End of story. <clears throat> I have to counter this and say, I am still unsure of taking this as the word of God for a couple reasons. <clears throat> Excuse me. One, the book has been edited. We know it's been edited. We know it's been changed over the years. We know this is not the exact draft that Vasya Veda wrote. Which means the word of God is edible. That's always a debate. Secondly, this is a translation. So is the translation correct? Is the translation actually saying what was meant by Vasya Veda in his culture, in his world, or is it changing things. Then there's stuff here. Now, I can I can kind of see someone saying that the moon landing was fake because uh, they wanted to perpetuate some myth about aliens or whatever. Okay, whatever. I don't agree with that, but at least if you wanted to say there was a government cover-up, it would make sense to point to the alien issue. They're covering up the fact that there's aliens here. Okay, but then you read something like here. Here it is. Adams, verse 2, 
Atoms are the ultimate state of the manifest universe. Okay, that's fine. We, we, we all basically know that. But in my lifetime, or if not before it, they discovered the quark, which is smaller than the atom. Therefore, atoms are not the ultimate state if there's something else beyond them. So has science and the government got a conspiracy to think us, to make us believe in something smaller than the atom? They're really fooling us. There's the quark. If that's a conspiracy theory trying to brainwash us, it's a weird one. Because I don't know how the quark interferes with my daily world. But here is something that, that's straight up. Atoms are the ultimate state of the manifest universe. And then we're going to drop down a little bit. At uh, verse 4, atomic time is measured according to covering a particular atomic space. Okay, well, did the word atomic exist for Vasya Veda when he wrote the Bhagavad Gita? Or is this a modern phrase? Is, is, is atomic time and atomic space something that was discussed when he wrote this? If not, we have a translation issue. Two, one thing I do is I take this and I compare it to other religions. And sometimes that's where I begin to doubt. So I am not a follower of, but I've studied a lot of and I find really fascinating Christian science as founded by Mary Baker Eddy in the 1800s. You probably know Christian science from their negative reputation. They're the ones that pray and don't use medicine at all and because of that children have died people have died surgeries could have been brought in to save people but instead they just prayed and there's been this huge backlash backlash against christian science on the other hand i think mary baker eddy was a feminist before there was feminists i think she was a fascinating woman but she also was paranoid and uneducated when it really came to the bible um, and i think she is the mother or grandmother godmother of new ageism i have read many of her works i've read a lot about the church the history through her life and beyond i've even been to one of her houses and i see so much new age stuff in her it's unbelievable i consider her and madame blavatsky and a few others the founders of new ageism but because of the bad reputation against christian science we give her zero credit for it even though she was writing about this stuff that literally I see all the time. Madame Lubowski would give credit to, because even though she was a narcissist and whatever, um, she didn't have the paranoia and no one has died in the last century because of them being part of theosophy, which is barely existing. But, so that's who Christian science is. <clears throat> If you go to a Christian science church today, they have a reading plan. They don't have ministers. They have a reading plan that every Sunday, here's what they read, and then the next Sunday, here's what they read, and here's what is read during the week. It is the exact same plan that was used in 1910 with Mary Baker Eddy died. It has not been changed. They're reading the same things from her textbooks, the same biblical quotes, everything. It does not change. Now, there is a book out there that has proposed a brand new version um, that brings the church up to date, and I think it's a good, interesting book, but they're not following it. So they're following this one book, and there is at least one or two chapters that talk about atomics. 
Sorry, this is, a, this is a long approach to stick at that. It talks about atomics and atomic power and atomic things. Because in the 1800s, atomics were kind of a new thing, or the turn of the century. They were kind of the new science. It was before, so Mayor Baker Eddy died before we had the atomic bomb. So she never saw that. And she never saw TVs. I don't, maybe, maybe she had the radio. But yeah, I think she probably had the radio, but um, but she never had anything that we have today, and that does not use atomic energy. I don't I don't think there's any atomic energy in this power cord. She didn't see nuclear power plants. She didn't see any of that. But atomics was in her writing, and it's really big. So now I'm looking at this translation, going atomic time and atomic space and atoms. That's really interesting to me that. This book, The Word of God, is kind of delving into a topic that was discussed by a religion that is often not called the Word of God. But both religions are sharing a theme that was really popular and trendy in the late 1800s. And it's just like, hmm, is this really the Word of God? It just makes me think that this particular thing is not a scientific point. That this is one of the scientific points we have to let go. And we have to say, hey, this one's not accurate. But there's still a lot of others that kind of are. I'm sorry, I just can't find this to be accurate. Or when it says, when two atoms make one double atom, and three double atoms make one hex atom or hexa atom, I think a scientist will tell you two atoms make something else. I don't think they make a double atom. Um, so I just am really questioning when we... When we write these books off as the Word of God and nothing else, not sorry, not write them off, but when we write science off that this is the Word of God, but yet science is clearly showing us something different. And even if it's not, even if we can say science is wrong, the trends at the time were telling us stuff that had been proven wrong. The trends were talking about atomic energy at the time, which it's been proven wrong. Here's another religion talking about atomic energy. So... Can you argue that point? See, no one argues that point. I've never seen anyone bring up Christian science in regards to Hinduism, because I don't think anyone knows Christian science who is also in Hinduism. I really just don't think so. Otherwise, they could have brought this up, and they could have done some more research into the talk of atomic energy by other groups in the late 1800s and early 1900s, and may have shown that it was just a trending thing. Actually, I'm willing to bet, I'm willing to bet, no money, but I'll bet, that Edgar Casey talked about atomics. And he is known, and I'm not an Edgar Casey believer, he is known for regurgitating things he read in books and, and whatever. And if you have a non-scientific background, and if you think science is wrong, and let's be honest, Swami Prabhupada, who did this translation, did not, was really not a, he was a, he, he was a chemist, but he wasn't a scientist, those were different, two different things. Well, he was a science of chemistry, so he should have understood more, but maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't. Um, and he may have been using old ideas. Actually, chemistry and, and for, for, uh, for I, I knew a pharmacist who was working in the 1960s, and it was very different. So maybe he translated with what he knew, but it wasn't correct. So, so maybe the book is correct. Okay, I'm just going to say right now, maybe everything I've been ranting on is, is wrong. And actually, this is the word of God, but the translation is wrong. Or maybe it's not the word of God. I don't know. Um, it's just 
Anyways, this is one of those things where I'm like, yes, it's scientific, but this, I'm not, I can't. You gotta convince me that the quark is a conspiracy theory. And you gotta convince me that this is right, and thus Christian science is also right. So, I'm gonna open the floor now to all of you, and you can turn on me or do whatever. And I've literally had people already say to me, just believe Srila Prabhupada, don't question it. You're not enlightened enough to question him. Okay, that's fine. He's correct, and thus so is Christian science. Are you willing to stand by that? Because they said that basically they talk about the same things. Okay, I'm going to leave it there, because I've already heard that criticism. So, kind of guys, girls, whatever, give me something better. Let's talk about this. I think the science and Hinduism is, is something that a lot of us are concerned about. It's not just me, and to just write off anyone who questions it as a non-believer or not, not having faith enough is, is not good enough. Let's do better than that. And again, it might, be, it might be a simple fix. One word might need to be changed, and we're good to go. I don't know. So that's my rant. Thanks for hanging out with me if you have. <laughs> Harry Krishna, Harry Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Harry, 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 Rama, Harry, Rama, 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 Harry, Harry.